my father's house. When we read that and when we hear it, this was one of the hardest parts of getting ready for this sermon because I had 10 different directions from 10 different verses to go. Because my father, I mean, if you look at John's gospel, it's soaked with these statements about my father. This identification of who he is. Out of all of those, I basically said, okay, for this point about my father of understanding him, I want us to hear the words that he raised and got up in what we call the upper room discourse when he's there celebrating the Lord's Supper and he's speaking to his disciples before he's going to go to the garden, before he's going to go to the trial, before he's going to go to the cross and die. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Always the person who wants to care, let not your hearts be troubled. I think Jesus' activities made them crazy or anxious or something, but he says, believe in God, believe also in me. You see that connection between the Son and the Father? Listen to this in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. Remember, he said, I have to be in my father's house. And now he's saying, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the... W- okay, I fixed something this week. New glasses. <laughs> and you know the way I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Now, verse 6 is a verse that, that lots of people know, that memorized it and have heard it in sermons. Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you understand why what we're looking at here in a 12-year-old Jesus when he says, my father's house, why that's important, why he's declaring that, why when we see Jesus, we need to think of this, that he is with the Father. He is the way to the Father. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. You see at the beginning and the ending of this passage that I've read how he identifies with the father. How this is so important that as a 12 year old he had an understanding of his relationship with God. See what verse 40 and verse 52 tell us that, that young children can know God. Now not everybody has the same story. Not everybody has the same experience. And you've heard me say that when I was in high school, I was perplexed because I had my Baptist friends well-intentioned saying to me, Fred, how can you be a Christian if you don't know when you became a Christian? And when I got to Covenant College and I began to understand Covenant theology, I understood that for Fred, who had heard the Bible read by the time he was four, who had been raised in a home where I was praying and hearing the word of God at least five out of seven days a week, 
My choice would have been to reject it. Now, I wasn't perfect, but I can look at milestones in my journey. Now, my father says I prayed a prayer when I was three. I don't remember that. But I don't, also don't ever remember not believing. So what I want to do and what I would tell young people is that, where are you now? See, I knew by the time I was seven that if I were to die tonight because I had seen in news magazines dead children in Hungary when the Soviets came in with their tanks and did all of that, I knew about dead children because of the video movies, newsreels, from the Holocaust. These black and white images. I knew that if I were to die as a seven-year-old, I would go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I knew that. And I could claim that. See, when I look at the beginning and the ending, verse 40 and verse 52, I see the Holy Spirit. I see God at work in the life of a child. And so I always want to encourage children. I always want to encourage parents to look and to listen. Jesus is the way to the Father. And that is open no matter what your age is, through faith in him. This covenant relationship, this mission that he was on, that he starts with my father. Now, I want to go to verses 40 and 52. I want us to think about, can you imagine that the first thing in describing Jesus Christ as a child, as someone who was living in his family, living in his community, that he was wise. That he had wisdom. That he was growing in that. Now, I... uh, Facebook messages my, my three daughters and said, okay... Tell me what wisdom looks like in the age of your children, because I have from a 7-year-old to a 14-year-old grandchildren. You know, they're in the church, they have devotions, you know, all the things, but, you know, what does wisdom look like? So my younger daughter, who responded quickly, gave me two examples. Her children are very athletic, very coordinated. But she says, she's talked to them and said, you know, you may be able to walk across the top of a swing set. You know that bar that's up there that sometimes kids shinny up to and try to be, you know. But would it be wise to do that? I mean, things like that have gotten so out of hand that YouTube has banned these challenges where people do crazy stunts. But I thought my, the next illustration she gave, she has a seven-year-old boy, Ben. She says, wisdom in Ben's life at age seven is being able to look at mommy and know that she's tired, so I'm not going to ask for a smoothie. (laughs) You see, when you look at verse 52, what is at the end of that? He is not only growing in favor. We're going to look at grace in a minute. 
with God, but with people. Wisdom is about social skills. It's about the ability to interact and to react with people. So we think about children being wise, we, we need to look and say, okay, how do they deal with older people? How do they deal on the playground? How do they deal with strangers or with different things? That when we pray for our children, one of the things that we would continue to pray is that they would be wise. See, that's something that whether a child is, you know, whether they're reading at one level or reading at another level, whether they're writing, doing math, all of those things. Wisdom is about life skills. And you can learn that by looking at the life of Jesus. Seeing his compassion, his mercy, his forgiveness. Also his willingness to rebuke when rebuke is required. But to do it in a way it's loving. Now he grew up in wisdom and in grace, meaning that it was God's grace on him. See, if we grow up knowing that our life is full of God's grace, what that means in terms of his provision through Christ, but it's his, his grace that he chose to love us first when we were his enemies, when we were straying, when we were sinners. He chose to love us first. That's what his grace is all about. And in both verse 40 and verse 52, you see that. So for our children and for ourselves, we want to live a life that is wise and a life that is full of grace, full of God's grace. When I read pastors trying to deal with their congregations in different parts of the world, and see, I don't know enough about here, the highlands. But there are places, particularly in the south, where children are raised with guilt and shame. You know, You've heard the word guilt trip. The joke is my mother was a cruise director for a guilt trip. That that's the way parents would use guilt to shame and to control their children. You see, as Christians, we need to use grace in our love and care for our children and for each other. Think about that. The first things we know about Jesus as a child who's growing up is full of wisdom and full of grace. And then the last verse adds, in favor with man, with, his, with adults. Now, the last thing I want us to think about is that this happened at Passover. Now, when you study Jesus' life in the Gospels, when he is public, when we think of 30 to 33, and you can see the different Passovers in the Gospels, because he is hung on the cross during Passover. He is the ultimate Passover lamb. Do you remember in faith how the 
story in Exodus, how the people in faith put that blood because they were told to do that because the angel of death was going to come. And if you didn't put the blood over the door, your firstborn male child and your firstborn animals were all going to die. The blood protected you and you put it up there in faith. (coughs) He very poignantly in Matthew And Luke in particular, you see this recounting of this Passover meal with Jesus and his disciples to get us ready for what we think of as the Lord's Supper. This covenant milestone that reminds us that God provides for his people and is provided through blood that is shed that points to Christ. That our sins, as we read in the assurance of pardon, he became a curse for us when he died on the cross, when he was crucified, when he took the wrath of God. So here in this, this passage that is the last one in this sermon series about the seed, we have the I'm not sure if I want to use the word shadow, but we live within the context of this festival. And that's one of the important things when I ask people to study. In, in, you know, you look around. Is it a festival? Is it out of the country? Is it at the temple? What part of the temple is it? What part of the town is it? You know, because sometimes things are at gates, and they're here, and they're there. We get information that may be small, may just be one word. But here, as I end this sermon in this series, at the Passover, in the temple, Jesus makes this declaration about himself. And I want you to remember how he uses that in John 14, that great evangelistic passage. that he is our Passover lamb. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the way to the Father. He is the way to the Father's house. That when Adam and Eve were pushed out and their seed was pushed out, of the garden. Here is the seed who has come to bring us back to the house of God. We pray, Father, that maybe even today someone would say, I want to walk through the door. I want to come into a new relationship with Jesus. That I understand that he needs to be my savior. We pray now as we conclude our service, as we go out into the world, that that you indeed would remind us who Jesus is each day. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.